Welcome to CCS Convo, the podcast for EV lovers and the EV curious. Join Nick and Louise every fortnight as we discuss the latest news in electric vehicles and look at some of the electric vehicles that are currently available. You can find out more by visiting rps-dm.co.uk forward slash ccs-convo. CCS Convo, Series 1, Episode 7. Apologies for this one, I completely missed up the numbering on the last episode. I reckon it's 8. According to the, because the bonus episodes don't count. Yeah, but we announced them with an episode in, so I reckon this is 8. According to the podcast feed, this episode... Welcome to the latest episode of CCS Convo. <laughs> I agree with that. <laughs> I'm Nick Smith. I'm one of the two hosts. Um, the person you just saw arguing numbers with me, or just heard no, arguing numbers with me, is Louise, my co-host. Say hello, Louise. Hello, Louise. Uh, we're going back to the news format we trialled a couple of episodes ago, didn't we? Where you make me laugh about the Sheriff's Office decisions, and I present some news. Well, I promise this time I haven't got anything that is going to make you fall off. Because last time we did this, you were sat on a bench, and you fell onto the bench. Right now, you're on a chair, and there is a large plate glass window and another chair. So if you fall over here, it's going to be hurt. And Duncan has a carpeted floor. This is tiled. Yep, And we've already established that my shoulder hurts. (laughs) Hang on, we haven't told the listener that yet. <laughs> My shoulder hurts, by the way. Shouldn't affect the quality of the uh, of the episode. <laughs> we are doing our usual thing here of running close to time for when our recording studio, this time Seattle-based of Mermaid <laughs> Variety, um, is going to kick us out. <laughs> well, hopefully they're not going to kick us out until after we're finished. But let's head on with the news. Um, I'm going to start here with something we should have probably even done a special episode covering. A while ago, because my first piece of news here is Rishi Sunak's decision to water down the climate pledge and push back the date at which internal combustion only will be banned in the UK. Now, because we were doing separate news articles, you see, I was going to bring in an amazing news article that was originally kind of hit the news in 2020. So we were a little bit late to the party on that one as well. But it was the right news article. It was the article that said, from 2030, the sale of new petrol and diesel cars in the UK will be banned. Yeah, it's a little bit out of date now, I'm afraid. Um, Yeah, I was thinking I have the follow-up to it. (laughs) Because Rishi Sunak has said that ICE vehicles can remain on sale in the UK until 2035. Despite that, we will still apparently be on target for net zero by 2050. Estimates say the delay is going to add 10 million additional tonnes of CO2 to the atmosphere. Now, I've got a few quotes here, um, which I'm going to go through before I get your opinion, and then I get convicted for treason. 
It's so, not treason. Because he's the Prime Minister, not the King. Correct. Good stuff. It means he can't, he can't do me for my opinion on this. No. <laughs> Lisa Brankin, chair of Ford UK, told whichever website it was I found this on, <laughs> that our business needs three things from the UK government. Ambition, commitment and consistency. A relaxation <laughs> of 2030 would undermine all three. So Ford isn't particularly happy about this. Charge UK said, today's extremely worrying news is not consistent with the economic stability or confidence. It will compromise the entire industry, place jobs and consumer and investor confidence at risk. Meanwhile, Patrick Reich, CEO of Bonnet, who I'm guessing you like a little bit because you use his app a lot. I do. I, yeah. I would prefer him to give me even more money off, but yes, mm. it, it works. Well, he said it would be very disappointing to see the UK lower its ambition just as businesses are investing huge sums and consumers are beginning to switch in greater numbers to electric vehicles. The mixed messaging from the government is very unhelpful for all and risks pushing global investors away from the UK. We would encourage the Prime Minister in his speech to provide as much certainty as possible as a lack of clarity helps nobody. We remain committed to making the journey to EVs easy as possible for drivers across Europe. Yeah, I mean, I am completely with you on this one. The relaxation of the time frame doesn't help us move towards net, net zero. The chances of us hitting net zero and still being selling 100% ICE cars for 2030 is almost non-existent. Um, however... Some of the manufacturers are happy. Both Jaguar and Toyota say it's welcome. Um, okay, but Jaguar have just realised that electric vehicles are out there. They launched the iPace thinking, oh, that will do, that will keep them quiet. Yeah. Uh, and now they're having to invest £15 billion in becoming relevant again. Yes. Toyota tried to launch an electric vehicle and the wheels fell off. Literally. They did, yes. Um, see, Toyota says it provides clarity by pushing it back. And it allows that all, no, all low emission routes can be considered rather than just electric vehicles. I don't think the Toyota realised at this point that they are the only ones that sell a hydrogen vehicle. They are not. Hyundai have offered for sale in the UK a vehicle which rivals the Murai. Have they? Currently, neither manufacturer have any cars to sell. Uh, no, there is, one, there is a Mirror in Yorkshire. Yes, but the manufacturer doesn't have it, a dealer does. Yeah, but the, the, no, there's one in private hands. There's one that's being driven. Yes, but the manufacturers are not... They don't have an open order book for hydrogen fuel cell vehicles at the moment. Which is good, because there's no way of fueling them unless you work in the industry. It's bad for Sheffield, though, because the big name in hydrogen fueling is ITM Power, who have a massive building just off Junction 34 of the motorway. They do. Um, however... We are so far away from hydrogen being an option. Mm. Uh, one of the kind of complaints and one of the things that Rishi Sunak has quoted as a reason why it was right to push this back is the charging infrastructure isn't readily available enough for everyone to drive an electric car. So how is hydrogen going to cope with five stations in the UK? Yeah. Well, exactly. I mean, was it BP that were being optimistic? No. Shell, they were being optimistic. In, they? they put eight in and then and shut then them all. Um, and there was a wonderful quote that came through when those were shut, which was, "If Shell can't work out how to make a profit out of hydrogen, it can't be done." Yeah, 
And if you look at Shell's track record, they are excellent at making a profit. They really have got that down to a T. That, that, yeah, I mean, all big oil is pretty good at making a profit. But yeah, Shell is but Shell, Shell's just excels. They go <laughs> the next level. <laughs> yeah. Um, I said at the time, I will say again. Now, I am, by almost design, inclined towards the current incumbent party. Whereas I'm guessing you are more inclined towards a party of a redder hue given what you do for a living, where you live, where you have lived, etc. But I'm not asking you to share your political leanings with the dear listener. Oh, by preference, they'd be green. However, they don't have a plan or enough people to run the country, so that can't happen. Um, Nick Clegg sold his soul. So, unfortunately, though I align a great deal with a lot of liberal politics... They can't happen either. He was my MP at the point that he raised student tuition fees. He'll never, he'll never be forgiven. But he did apologise and then got turned into a drum and bass track. I don't care. He sold his soul to be mm. Deputy Prime Minister. That's, mm. that's not okay. Right. So yeah, red <laughs> for the moment. Yeah. Now, <laughs> I'm the opposite, generally. And the first thing I said when I saw this is we've gone in about 30 years... From the ladies not for turning to run away, run away. Well, if you if you are blue, then I believe the phrase "you turn." You turn. It's important. You turn if you want to. The lady is not for turning. <laughs> well, I know quoting Maggie Thatcher in Sheffield is a dangerous thing to it do. It is a very dangerous thing, but if if you look at the last five years of conservative politics, U turns have been important. Let's. Stop the political discussion because we're not a political podcast <laughs> and one of the things that makes this work is that we have differing viewpoints. It does, even um, if you're wrong. The big thing again for me here is Rishi Sunak here is assuming that the UK is a big enough market to keep the manufacturers interested. And we're not. Not even nearly. GM, yeah, which sells cars around the world sold up their British brand to PSA. Yeah. And no longer produces a car that has a steering wheel on the correct side for the UK. No. And interestingly, Honda and GM have just split in their partnership to produce affordable EVs. But what I'm getting at here is, if all the right-hand drive markets in the world wasn't a big enough market for GM to justify being in, yeah. Are the motor manufacturers going to continue to produce internal combustion engine vehicles just for the UK after Europe bans them in 2030? Definitely not. Or are we just going to get European product with a steering wheel on the wrong side? Probably. Or we'll get mm. imports from other places that haven't got a progression out of ice in Pram. Yeah, so, great. We might be able to buy a Tata Nano. Would, Aside from the fact it's cool. about Thruppence Apney... Who wants a Tatanano? Uh, me? Yeah, but you also like the Ami. <laughs> Correct. I saw another one the other day. I was very excited. But it doesn't matter what the UK government says here. It could say, congratulations, we're going to go back to allowing you to build the 1973 Oldsmobile Cutlass and sell it new. <laughs> Nobody's going to do it because it won't pay for itself. 
and you'd have to find a way of making it run on the right fuel that we've got available. That's easy to put some Red X in it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that being said, I mean, if you look at the sales numbers, if you look at how many electric cars are being sold and registered, I mean, I've got a quote in here, I don't know exactly which period it covers, that says 16% of new car sales in 2023 have been 100% electric. And I'm guessing another 35 to 40% have been in some way hybridised. Um, this is suggesting another 20% are hybrid. So that's 36% of the market are at least six years before yeah. Europe says no. And the numbers are growing. They are? The, if you look at the registration figures, month on month for the past couple of years, diesel down by 8 9%, petrol down by 6%. Battery EV up by 18, 19, 20% month yeah. on month. We're looking at an electrified vehicle being sold every 60 seconds mm. in the UK at the moment. And they say by 26, it's going to be one, one every 40 seconds? Something like that. This is... To a certain extent, it doesn't matter what the government wants. It doesn't matter what the local councils want. It doesn't matter what Bonnet wants or what the manufacturers want. Increasingly, despite the Daily Mail hysteria, the actual sales figures are showing that buyers want electric vehicles. It is. And while it's not the UK, if we look slightly further north to Scandinavia and Norway, um, Volkswagen, they will not accept any orders for new ICE cars after December this year. So we're slipping That's into it. your first news piece here. We are slipping into your first news piece here. So... Um, before we move on to that, I'm going to say, I say that the sales figures say that buyers want electric vehicles. Of course, there is still a strong demand out there for rice, but that, that is waning. It is. And it is increasingly, certainly in the people that I know, mm. those who want an ICE car and want a new ICE car is because they have very specific needs. Um, one of my friends... His family live in Cornwall. He has to commute Sheffield to Cornwall and back every other weekend. Then he needs a Kona. Because I did, <clears throat> I did um, Exeter and back yeah. on one on one away from home charge. Yeah, and that's the thing. He he genuinely needs to be able to do it, and he has amazing driving stamina in that he doesn't stop. So he sets off from work on a Friday night, drives to Cornwall mm. in one run, setting so off. So like an ID7 you need a, a lot of capacity. Yeah. So a new high-range, long-range performance mm. option would do it. Mm. Most things on the market won't. Yeah, there's, there's going to be specific use yeah. cases. Um, you look at wheelchair-accessible vehicles. Yeah, there are less options. They tend to be built out of vans. Yeah. For some reason, despite the fact there's all the subsidies behind vans and there's lots of drive to get people into electric vans, vans continue to have to do about six <coughs> inches and need to stop and charge. <laughs> um, my car was in for a recall on Monday and um, their business advisor was supporting them to pick up their new electric van while I was in there waiting for my car. And... He was chatting with the advisor and I was sat there drinking my hot chocolate. And he was saying, well, this one's my second electric van. My next one's going to have to be diesel because 
the next one is going to a member of staff who can't charge at home and needs to do three or four hundred mile round trips every day um, and I can't afford to pay him to, to take it, to take it somewhere charger. to charge it every day mm. and I can't always take it home and charge it my home charger and we haven't mm. got the capacity to fit one in the yard mm. which that's a legitimate a business situation case. yeah and for that specific use case we need a hybridised van. Yeah, in and an they ideal were never world. Really, they never really took off, did they, hybrid vans? I don't know as much about this end of the spectrum as you do. I don't know of many, but that's me. Yeah. I think most of them were built... They're sort of Ford built the van and then somebody else put the hybrid gubbins on it <laughs> for most of them. Uh, Sheffield had a load of um, hybrid transit minibuses. When Ford never built a hybrid version of that, that version of the Transit. Oh, okay. So that's obviously, they bought the Transit and had an aftermarket for the <laughs> hybrid, hybrid drivetrain put on it. Purely so they could write hybrid down the side of the... I mean, the way those people drive the, drive the buses, there's no way it was saving the planet. <laughs> but we've gone quite off topic. Let's move on to what you were going to say about Scandawija. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, obviously... Some of Scandinavia is legally Europe, some of it is legally EEA, some of it is not mm-hmm. either. Um, but Volkswagen have, in conjunction with the, effectively the equivalent of the DVSA in Norway, agreed that after December 23, they won't take any orders for any new ICE vehicles at all. Um, so it will be... They're saying March 2024 that they will deliver their last new VW to Norway and to as hit, a nation. To hit that, they'll shuffle around build slots. Yeah, they will. To get that headline, they'll they'll delay 20 English cars to get the last Norwegian one built. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And it's not really a surprise that Scandinavia is leading on this. When I was in Sweden last summer... There was literally on-street charging at kind of every other corner. You just plugged into the wall. Um, There was an awful lot of capacity for electric vehicles in Sweden. And Norway, proportionally, is further ahead in terms of green power, green politics, and kind of the push towards a more sustainable future. Partially because Norway is living it far more actively than we are so far. With things like rising sea levels, changing in sea ice, changing in, therefore, migration routes and fish currents and fish breeding grounds and that kind of thing. Um, and, and over the last 10 years, Volkswagen um, has imported 102,000 electric cars into Norway alone. The ID4 is the best, second best-selling of all cars in Norway. Um, <laughs> Thank God it's not the ID5. Correct, um, but there were nearly six thousand new ID4s registered in September this year, which is fairly tremendous. Yeah. Um, I mean, ID3 is the eighth best-selling car ever in Norway. Which, I know, it's not a big country. But looking over time, this is quite 
significant. And would you like to guess what is the best-selling car in Norwegian history? Volvo P1800. Um, no. Tesla Model Y. Already? Yep. 20% of the market, 20% of cars on the road in Norway, according to this set of statistics, are Tesla Model Y. Okay, I'm glad you stepped in there because I could control my urges to say certain things. In one of my other podcasts, British Sports Car Podcast, if you're into endurance racing or GT racing, go and look it up. For the last episode of the season from the racetrack, I had to develop a BBC-style beep <laughs> for one of the interviews. We can forgive the man, he just won the British GT Championship. Yeah, we can. Um, but I had to put seven engine noises in. <laughs> I w- a revving V8 over a blue word? Yeah, I can get that. What, what, what am I going to do for an electric car? <laughs> um, a Kona-worthy reversing beep. I shall record the sound effect just in case. Excellent. <laughs> but I would have needed it if I'd have responded straight away to that. Um, am I falling prey here to popular culture-inspired stereotypes about uh, Scandinavia, Norway, Sweden? Or does it generally get quite cold there? Um, it is a more extreme temperature range than we do. So they have hotter summers on average mm. and colder winters. So... The big complaint that people have about electric vehicles in the UK is that, oh, between September and March, you're never going to get more than five inches out of a charge. (laughs) Yeah, you definitely will. Um, I mean, the other thing that has helped Norway is that Norway as a nation decided this was the future. So they added 25% VAT tax to non-electric vehicles. um, And... There's significant incentives for you having an electric car from the government through your kind of central taxing. Mm-hmm. So like a salary sacrifice type thing where you get less tax because you pay for it before tax. Yes. Um, at which point Norway sort of decided this is what they wanted to happen and said, you can have free money if you do what we want you to do. And everybody did what they wanted them to do, which is great. Yeah. See... This is the way that 2030 is going to happen in the UK now. And it's the way it's going to have to happen because, as I say, nobody else is going to be buying, uh, building the cars. But it's going to be the manufacturers turning around and saying, look, I don't care what the government says. You may be able to buy them, but we ain't bloody building them. Which leads beautifully into my next news article. Okay. Sorry. It's about manufacturers. Um, So, Honda and GM had announced that they were going to go into partnership and build some affordable EVs. They were going to build upon what Honda knew from the Honda E about making small and cute and what GM knew about making battery and distance. Yes, because that's where Honda is seriously lacking. Yes, and what they're going to end up with was probably something that was going to be unexciting aesthetically, but was going to be cheap. They were targeting the BYD prices as being the top end of what they were going to build. So basically a Chevy Eveo rather than Aveo. Yes. Um, However, they announced yesterday that they're abandoning this. Right. Um, 
reasons for? So they're quoting changing business environment. So they've been working together for a year. Um, They have some kind of working co-designs. Because I'd originally started this back in April 22. um, And threw out some really pretty kind of concept drawings but had no substance or plan for what they were going to do other than look cool. Um, So it was a lotus, basically. Yes. Um, And they were intending for these to kind of start hitting the market 26, 27, um, with some previews in 24-25. However, they've announced yesterday that they're going to go their separate ways and pursue sustainable options independently. Um, so GM are going to sustainably use massive V8s most likely <laughs> and Honda are going to sustainably do 15 minute cities because that's how long the battery lasts on a Honda E part of it is that actually EVs aren't really taking off on the North American continent unless your EV starts with a T and ends in an A and is registered in California yeah um, so GM were hoping that by mid-24, they were going to have sold 400,000 EVs in their existing brands. They've got to be heading on for that. I mean, they sold the, the little Chevy thing. They, they sold 100,000 of them to Domino's Pizza. Yeah, they've pushed that back a year, which means they're not on target to do it. Um, at which point, if they can't sell their own at proportionally higher prices, I don't think they're brave enough to keep going. Um, it's just, just going to... This is a problem that Detroit has had before, and they got decimated before they realised that they have to embrace what's coming in from elsewhere. The fuel... The gas price crisis of the 70s. Yeah. Damn nearly killed GM and damn nearly killed Ford. The EV, the birth of EV is going to kill GM and it's going to kill Ford unless they get their head out of the Detroit sand. Yeah. I mean, Honda are still pushing through their first EV in the North American continent. I take it that's the alphabet soup jobby that we're getting over here. Um, they're calling it a prologue in America. That's not a good th- not a good thing because the other thing that was called a prologue that came out of Japan was Gran Turismo prologue, and that was it's taken us so long to make Gran Turismo five we've had to release a game in between. Yeah, um, so yeah, they're calling it the prologue electric SUV, um, and it is very yeah, very it's the much E N V Y Z colon semicolon thing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, however. It's going to be the prologue in the US. Evidently, they don't yeah, think they'll get away with selling ridiculous letters. I say because your average American doesn't know what a colon is. Um, <laughs> and um, if anybody from the DVSA is listening, I know I've just failed Competency 15. Please don't fire me. <laughs> However, since they announced this, they have added $10,000 to its list price. This was supposed to sell at $30,000 US dollars when it launches later this year or early next year, it's going to have a price tag of at least 40000 Which is still going to make it, what, about 36, 37 grand? Yeah. So it's cheaper than the same thing over here? 
Yes, but that's before sales tax. Because every state has different sales tax. At which point, in some states, it will be the same price, and in some states, it will be less. Right, okay. So this is Honda and GM falling out of bed. Yep. What a surprise they've been battling each other since Honda started making cars. This was never a relationship that was going to last, was it? Probably not, but it was the first recent attempt for us to have Japanese attention to detail and engineering and American bulk manufacture, which might have given us an EV better than Honda has so far demonstrated they are able to produce Mm. at the kind of economies of scale that GM have the capacity to do. So it could have been a really exciting option on the market. But instead, we shall just have to do without. We will. So let's move on because we've been going for 28 minutes here and we're trying to get this one to under 45. Don't think it's going to happen. My next news piece here. Lothian bus. So we're not talking a necessarily local story, but more local than the last one. This is Lothian well, Bus, yeah. who are one of the bus operators in Edinburgh, up in Bonnywee, Scotland. <laughs> okay. Nice attempt. Have just confirmed an order for new buses. They are fully electric buses, and the order is worth twenty-four million pounds. That's a lot of bus. This is fifty new double-decker buses to service passengers in Edinburgh. The total order being worth twenty-four million pounds means each bus is. £480,000, which is, being fair, only about 35% more than your standard, right, chucking out diesel thing that they're running at the moment. Which, to be fair, with the tech and with the fact that we're relatively early in the journey of them, that's not bad. So the order here is for 50 Volvo BZL electric double-decker buses. Key figures on this. It's a 200-kilowatt motor, 272 brake horsepower. So, it is slightly down on horsepower compared to the Smart that I drove the other day. Yeah, but that Smart has a lot of power. It does win a little bit on torque. Because the Smart was something like 450 torques, pounds-feet of torque. Mm-hmm. Yep. This Volvo BZL is 14,013 pounds-feet of torque. <laughs> Well, given when the driver puts his foot on the pedal in that one, the bus doesn't go forward, the earth goes backwards. I mean, given that you could probably fit the smart in the lower deck of this, if you took a few seats out, then yeah, it should have a bit more power. It doesn't have a single gear. It has two. Which it kind of needs. It needs low down grunt to get up the hills and... Well, it is Edinburgh. Cruising speed as well. So it's a two-speed automated manual gearbox. Um, the chassis can take up to 470 kilowatt hours of lithium-ion batteries. Nice. And it's configurable. So if you're buying one for airport transfers from the car park, you go for a smaller battery. Yeah. And less weight. If you're running a full service route in it, you'd need more batteries. It has 300 kilometers of range. You're the mathematician. Divide by 1.6. Um. 21. 210 miles. Ish. 30 k's is, uh, is 21 yeah. miles, yeah. Yep. It'll do a day's bus route. Yep. 
and 150 kilowatt CCS rapid charging. The bodies are going to be built by a company called MCV, which is a UK company which is licensed to build the Volvo BZL body. It's a two-axle chassis. It has 70 seats and one staircase. Uh, instead of putting mirrors on it, they're going to put cameras on it, so it gets <laughs> mirror cam. And Lothian are to install their own charging stations at their depots in Edinburgh. A full charge for this bus will take approximately four hours. Which isn't bad. I mean, That's going to be really useful. And that's a really positive step for them. Yeah, you're not. Um, we're not talking here about a vehicle that is designed to be sexy. Oh. No, it's a bus. But if I go big picture on that one, and this is in stagecoach livery, but it's not an ugly bus, is it? No, it's a functional bus. It's a functional bus. I mean, it's, it's not going to be horrific. I, there you go. There's one in Lothian livery. Yeah, with yeah. Prince's Rock behind. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a perfectly serviceable looking bus. It's going to reduce the emissions in Edinburgh. And Edinburgh needs all the help it can get in that sense. It's an old city. It's very tight. And the fact they set off a cannon at one o'clock every day. <laughs> yep. This is potentially having an impact on their air quality. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think the, I think. The Traffic is having an impact on their air quality. But yeah, I mean, given that we are in a city here that has a clean air zone and the bus operator has been paid big grants by the council to get new buses to replace the old polluting jalopies that <laughs> they were running, <laughs> um, that our local small operator has bought all the old polluting jalopies and yep. has put them back into service in Sheffield anyway, and it's just paying the 50 quid a day. Um, Though, then, interestingly, there is still one saying that it's going to Heathrow. Indeed. But instead of us getting the nice new buses that Sheffield Council has paid grants towards, we're getting York's old buses and they're getting our new ones. How is that right? Mm. Um, it's nice to see there's some city out there that's actually getting some decent bloody buses. <laughs> and these are going to be more reliable because there's only one part of it to break. Well, two parts. It's got a gearbox in this one. It's still got, it's still got tyres. Those can break as well. Yeah. I mean, my local favoured haulage company that runs... Used to run one wrecker and now runs four. Um, <laughs> would be in serious trouble if our local bus operators went electric. Yeah, well. <laughs> they just spent two and a half million quid on wreckers based on the fact they got the bus contract. And the number of buses you see on the back of a truck. Yeah. Okay. So what is your last, your last news story? Or do you have more? I do have one more. Go on then. So whereas your last story was not about a car that is supposed to be sexy. Uh, well car a vehicle that wasn't supposed to be sexy see mine is saying that an original route master's good looking yeah but not as good looking as what i'm about to show you okay show away so what i've got is an rx7 for war <laughs> okay yeah i can see a lot of mx5 stroke miata in the front of it i'll be honest i can see a lot of alfa romeo 8c in the back of it yeah and I can see a lot of people at MG weeping. Oh, yes. So, um, Mazda have finally brought back a pretty car that is designed to just be pretty. But it's got the RX name. Yep. Is this a combustion car? Uh, it is not. We're not... 
We're not fully electric at this stage, but we are most of the way. So, as a rotary engine featuring twin rotors, though, as it is the, though they are then putting in mm. the motor and the battery from the MX30 EV. So about 100 miles electric. Yeah. So basically they made a sports car here out of the MX-30 REV. Yeah. Um, so we're not quite there. But we're getting close. It's not quite a Cybster. Um, however, we are looking at it being a total weight of only 1450, which is 300 kilos less than the Cybster. Mm-hmm. Um, I've not. But yet. it's got a lot more weight high up than the Cyberster, which means it's not going to handle as well. Mm. Um, and interestingly, um, they are running at a 50-50 weight distribution, front and rear, mm-hmm. and they are holding on to the fact that they can run it on multiple fuels. Oh, so yeah, you can run a wankel off anything. You can run it off scotch if it's all available. But, interestingly, and flipping back to where we started from, standard is going to be hybrid, but they are leaving open the option to swap out that hybrid section, and they've got a hydrogen design as well. Right. So, they are describing this as a car lover's solution too change in future fuel okay it looks great it does look great i uh seeing the interior it's not going to come out looking anything like that i know but it's pretty but it is pretty (laughs) um and yeah it is a great looking car but when are Mazda going to stop pissing around with range extenders and pathetic battery ranges? I mean, if if the MX-30 had two-thirds the range of your Persia, you'd be driving an MX-30 now, wouldn't you? Well, it does have two-thirds of the range. <laughs> Only on a cold day. Well, the, um, the Mazda on a hot day and you on a cold day. Yeah. It's... The petrol head in me loves the fact that they're bringing back the rotary. They're bringing a four-rotor car to Le Mans in 25. Yeah. Which is just going to... Oh, it's going to keep everybody down the Lindwatton Hadier awake all night. It's going to be great. But they do not have a viable electric vehicle option. No. And they don't. Not on its own. Their not hi- the moment. Their hybrid option, their viable hybrid option, is a rebadged and more expensive Toyota Yaris. And you're our expert on the Toyota Yaris. Would you pay too much for it? No. <laughs> because the hybrid was useless. This, however, if they are literally merging the rotary engine and the EV engine, mm-hmm. you've got a nice option there. It's a vanity project. They need to do some real engineering first. They need to do some real engineering as well. This has cool doors. And this 
Looks beautiful. Mazda is not going to stay alive selling two or three thousand of them a year. And you haven't even told me the price yet. That's because they haven't told us yet. It's currently on display at the car show in Tokyo, mm-hmm. which is where this has come out of. It's only literally gone out today. If they're targeting Cyberstore, it needs to be about 65 grand. Which, based upon the rest of Mazda's pricing, mm-hmm. I would say that that's on. But... They'll sell two, 3,000 of these a year. That's not going to keep the, the lights on at Mazda head office. No, it's not. I mean, in the UK, that is. Yeah? <laughs> What's going to keep the lights on at Mazda head office is shifting 50,000 MX40s with a decent battery in it, along, along with 35,000 Mazda 2 hybrids and yes. a hybridised version of the, of the Mazda 3, which is a great-looking car, but the mm. two-litre lump of iron in the front of it yeah. is... It's, it's not enough. You're basically you're, you're buying a 21st century hatchback with a cart horse under the bonnet. This, if this is their bid to save Mazda, it's too little, too late. But it is sexy. It is. So, is that the last of your news for today? It is, I'm afraid. In that case, I'm afraid I'm going to take you to a sad, sad place. And I'm sorry to the dear listener for ending on a sad, sad note. But we have a list here of the top 10 most stolen electric vehicles in the UK. Leasing Options did a Freedom of Information request, which revealed the top 10 most stolen electric vehicles. The Nissan Leaf topping the list at 39% of all EVs being stolen. Second was the Renault... Sorry, third was the Renault Zoe. Um... The Model S was second. Very desirable. Very desirable. The other thing is, we're talking about the three EVs that have been on sale for the longest. So there are more of them That was going to be my question Mm. at the end of your list. Where does the percentages sit? So let's take a look at some of these numbers specifically. Now, it says 39% of all EVs being stolen being a Leaf and panicky panicky. 188 Leafs have been stolen in the past five years. This is not epidemic levels of car twa- This is twockery. not particularly big numbers. Yeah. <laughs> but the numbers are going up because 49 have been stolen in 2023 year to date. And but I've put these notes together about a month ago. But some of that is that mm-hmm. we've just got more on the, mu- more on the road now. Okay. Because 10 years ago... If you wanted to go and steal a leaf, you'd have to look quite hard. If you want to go and steal a leaf now, just go to Morrison's. Yeah, but a leaf, 49 leafs stolen this year of 188 puts at about, what, 29% of all the leafs stolen have been this year? Cost of living. Car crime in general has gone up considerably this year. Model S, 61 stolen in five years, six stolen this year, 10%. Yeah, because the Model Y exists yeah. and the X. Yeah, but the S is the more desirable car. Well, I suppose the X. X. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose the X, but the, what, the, the S is a more desirable car than the 3. Yeah. Which is on this list, by the way, despite the fact it's not been out for as long. Um, Renault Zoe, 46 units stolen over five years. Eight this year. That's 20%, give or take, isn't it? Which is where it should be. 18%. 
Audi e-tron, 24 stolen over five years, and it's only been out for three of them. Yeah. Um, uh, eight stolen so far this year. That's 33%, yeah. give or take. Which is exactly bang on. It's only been out three years. Yeah. ID3, 25 stolen since it was launched. It was launched two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, five have been stolen in the year to date, 2023. Um, MG5, 18 have been half-inched since it was launched. 11 of them so far this year. So that's... Mm, I mean, that's like 60-odd percent mm-hmm. that have gone there so far this year. Ionic 5 has had a bad year. I mean, it's only been out for about two and a half years, isn't it? Not sure. I believe you on that one. Out for... Yeah, it must be about two and a half years the first ones hit the road. The demos hit the road. Because Ionic 5 came out about the same time as I picked up Eva. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it's been on sale for two and a half years 14 have been nicked 13 of them <laughs> since January it's because they're now hard to get yep um, model 3 14 over 5 years 4 since January BMW iX 10 have been stolen uh, n- 9 have been returned 6 since um, <laughs> 6 since, since January and what amazes me here is that there were 20 people that wanted a BMW iX, <laughs> the 10 that paid for them and the 10 that didn't. <laughs> uh, the final one I've got on the list here is the Audi Q4 e-tron, of which nine have been pinched, seven this year. See, some of this is rising prices, hmm? at which point, in, in my day job, you know, I work in education, one of the things I do is I'm part of the safeguarding team. Which means that we do proportionally slightly more of kind of local area risk reading and local area crime statistics. And car crime is loads higher this year so far than it was for the whole of 2022. Because with prices rising and the pressure that everyone's under, it's a high value resale. At which point, there's a lot of car crime going on in the area at the moment. I mean, if you look at the cars there, and then you look at the cars that you see most regularly with the green plate on them, mm-hmm. see a lot of Leafs, you see a lot of Zoe's, yeah. see a lot of Teslas. Yeah. I find it surprising that there are no X or, X or um, Y in the top ten. Yeah. But... The X is harder to find in the UK. The X is very hard to find. Um, I was quite excited when I saw one the other day. Yeah, I was incredibly excited yesterday when I picked up one of my learners from her work and her boss pulled out in a blade. Yeah? X blade. What? <laughs> I also found it quite sickening that my learner's struggling to pay for her lessons and her boss is driving around in £150,000 with a Tesla. Yeah, <laughs> but unfortunately that's sometimes the way the world works. Yeah. Um, but... The main EVs that you see, we see a lot of MG4. Yep, and there's none on that list. We see a lot of Kona. None on that list. We see a lot of Ionic. Yep. We see a lot of E2008, E208. And there's quite a lot of things like the Mocha. We see a lot out of Mocha. there as well. And none of those are mm. on your list. There is something I had to say, wrong with the cars that are on the list if they are being targeted more than the ones that are a lot more readily available. 
I mean, some of it will be straight sales value and straight kind of badge perception. Because there are lots of EVs that aren't on that list. Yeah, but a Renault Zoe? But it's small and cheap. Um, so it doesn't have great resale value. It's not the most desirable looking car But it in is the world. probably very quick to sell on. If you've got one and changed the plates, as a criminal probably would, you've then got a car that you can sell on for an amount of money that people can cash purchase. There is one thing I will say about the Zoe, though. The early Zoes. You can't track them via an app. Exactly. Which, again, makes them easier so to deal with. They don't talk to Renault the way a more modern car will be. No. Which means that they could be tracked. But, yeah, there's... I mean, we know that just because it's a posh car doesn't necessarily mean it's, an e- it's a secure car. No. Ra- uh, Range Rover and Land Rover are pretty much uninsurable in London now because the amount of them are going walkies. But it's just, I found that quite surprising, but also quite depressing. Mainly because I quite fancied 995 until I realised that <laughs> all but one of the ones that have been stolen in the past five years have been stolen this year. <laughs> I mean, as a maths teacher by background, I'd be interested to know what the sample was. Freedom of information request, that'll be every vehicle that's listed as stolen in the um, mid in the past five years. And what the area was. UK. And how many things tied for 11th place? Oh, I'm guessing everything's ever had a battery fitted to it. Ford Model T was tied for 11th place. <laughs> <laughs> but what I mean is, those were the top 10. They were all different numbers. If we got to 11, would we then find that the ones that we're thinking of, so the Konas and the E2008s and the 208s and everything else that we were expecting to be on the list, have they yeah. all been stolen once less and all stolen the same number? Mm-hmm. The other thing that I would like to see, which would need another FOI request, is those numbers compared to for ICE. And yep. those numbers compared to for hybrid. Yeah. And those numbers compared to for lorry trailers. Exactly. And that's one of the downsides the of, the of these lists that you find. It's what's the rest of the picture? And you often find that with EVs. There are a lot of kind of really scary stories um ev fires is a great example yes did you see that fire at luton airport oh the one that was absolutely definitely caused by an ev except for the fact the fire brigade said it was a diesel range rover yeah so it's a plug-in hybrid yeah it's a diesel that started it yeah mm-hmm. and the car transporter coming over from holland with 3,000 cars in it that caught fire. 300 of them were electric and they were damaged by... And they were smoke damage, smoke not damage, fire damage. Yeah. And yeah. it's become a conception that EVs just catch fire. Again, and I would draw you your attention to... You can, get, you can literally buy a calendar of Lamborghinis catching fire. Yeah. I draw your <laughs> attention to Top Gear Circa... Ooh, it'd be... 2012-2013 when James May had just ordered his Ferrari, Ferrari 458 oh, and they were all catching fire and across the season they had Jeremy and 
and uh, Richard in different T-shirts with photos of different Ferraris on fire on them. And accidental news articles, yep. <laughs> yeah. It's an excellent season. Yeah. And then, what, as a road user, you may not have seen this because you don't spend as much time on the motorway as I did. But what sort of vehicle do you usually see burnt out at the side of the road? Lorries. A petrol tanker. I've never seen one of those. I've seen various lorries on fire. It's, 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 it's and a crane. Qu- it is quite alarming <laughs> as you approach the back of the vehicle that's on fire on the hard shoulder and you think, ooh, 12.03. I'm going to move over a lane. Yeah. <laughs> 12.03 being the UN code for petrol, by the way. <laughs> we, had to, we had to suspend an archery competition for nearly four hours because a crane caught fire on the A66 just next to the field. And the field just turned black. It's it's hard to do archery when you can't hit the target, and when you can't breathe because all of the ti- all of the tires are on fire, mm. and then the petrol tank blows. Yeah. So we we need some comparative data here as well on how many vehicle fires there are, of which how many are EV, of which how many are hybrid, yeah. of which how many are powered by fairy dust. All of them. No, my car's not powered by fairy dust. Mine's powered by the sweat of my minions. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, think we, I think that is where we should leave it for today. Probably. I'm going to thank you, Louise, very much for joining me to talk EVs. I'm going to thank the listener very much for putting up with our rambles completely <laughs> off topic. We hope you found something interesting in here. If you have any news you want us to discuss, if you have any comments on the news we have discussed, if you want me to fire myself and get somebody else into talk EVs with Louise, please get in touch. You can get me. Uh, I am at RPS Driven Electric on most social media. Or you can email admin at rps-dm.co.uk. You can also find the website by going to rps-dm.co.uk and clicking on the CCS Convo icon on the front page. Louise, how can the listener get in touch with you or shouldn't they? So you'll find me on Facebook as Louise D. Smith as an author and poet. There you go. Do feel free to send her uh, any comments you have on her fantastic digging up of completely relevant news. And <laughs> no hilarity from my part this time, so much improved. Next time. Next time. Well, Thank you very much, as I say. Until next time, keep that car charged and please make sure you enjoy it. Thank you for listening to the CCS Convo podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you'd like to find out more, you can visit rps-dm.co.uk forward slash ccs-convo. CCS Convo is an RPS-driven media production. All rights are reserved.